Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board-certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. We are going to talk to Mary today about her experience of a client dying by suicide. And we are so grateful that she um, is sharing her story with us today. Absolutely. And we said this, we had an episode previously talk about a similar subject. So we're giving the same disclaimer to you all. If this feels heavy for you, if you don't feel like you have the emotional space, please skip this episode. We will not be offended and we understand. While this subject really does need to be talked about in our community because it's not shared enough, we also understand your own self-care and needs. So please, if this feels too heavy, skip this one and we'll see you next week. Could always loop back later. And this is just a friendly reminder that all of our episodes, including this one, are not a substitute for therapy itself, clinical consultation, or ethical guidance. All right. Well, this is episode number 45 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Mary, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love you guys. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. We love you guys too. So before we get into your story today, Mary, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I've been working in mental and behavioral health since 2008 um, at a bachelor's level. I started working in like a residential program with adolescents. Um, and then I switched over to community mental health in an agency in Springfield in Massachusetts. Um, Wait, pause. I'm so sorry. I started out my career working community mental health in Springfield, Massachusetts. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes, yeah. that's so funny. Yeah. Well, wait, we're going to chat more when we're not recording okay. then because we must be close <laughs> to each other, which is so exciting. I know. That's super exciting. Um, so Continue, continue. Then, so when I was in uh, at that agency, I was doing like bachelor's level work and then I went to grad school like while I was there. And then I um, transitioned over to a different community mental health agency in Connecticut, um, doing working with like foster families and stuff. And then I moved over to outpatient therapy, doing individual work with kids. Um, and that's, you know, I got licensed and now I'm transitioned over to where I'm at now, which is a PHP IOP program in Connecticut. So. Okay. Sort of well, again, I now. don't know if it wasn't on your application because I also live in Connecticut and I'm very excited yes. that you, we have a <laughs> Connecticut guest here today, Yay. which is so exciting. <laughs> um, yeah. And also uh, side note for my little side gig, I also sell wine. I do in-home wine tastings. So Ooh, totally non-clinical, but super fun. So Yes. We need those non-clinical things for ourselves. So yeah. for our self-care to give our minds a break. So I'm glad that you have that. That's exciting. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. Well, 
tell us, let's dive into it. What is the story that made you ask if you were a bad therapist? What do you want to share with our listeners today? Yeah, so um, it's pretty heavy. Um, So I'll just start with a little bit of background. So um, like I mentioned, I work in a PHP IOP program, and it's about an eight-week program, and I work strictly with kids. So I had a client um, who, you know, was a kid, um, and you know, I'd been working with her for pretty much the entire eight weeks. And like right at the end of her time, she really decompensated, um, you know, ended up in the hospital. And then unfortunately, um, she, she did come back to us, but due to some like transportation issues, um, she kind of had to leave our program, um, kind of mm. suddenly and unexpectedly, um, which was a shame, you know, cause we had a really great rapport. Um, and you know, Obviously, I was in communication with the family about, um, you know, aftercare and making sure that she had aftercare set up. Um, and so, you know, after she stopped coming, um, just like probably about a month later, um, we had heard, like our agency had heard that someone um, from a local school had died by suicide. And at that point, we didn't know who it was. Um, we didn't even know if this person had been, you know, a client with us, but typically like local schools will like, let us know if something like that happens. Um, because we see a lot of local kids. So, um, yeah. so, you know, knowing, um, that I was like, oh gosh, like, I really hope, you know, this isn't someone I know, someone that was here, someone we worked with. Um, and then we found out, I think that same day that the school that this person had gone to, and it was the school that I had a client at. And I was like, Oh God, uh, like, uh, so like anxiety is like, ah, spiking. Um, you know, and I'm like, wow. Like instantly this client popped into my head of like, Oh gosh, like this could really be her, you know? Um, and so, this is all during your work day. So you're having to manage yes. this anxiety while sitting with other clients and wondering yes. who this is. Could this be my client? Wow. Yes. Um, yes, it was very challenging. That's for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. And like, I'm like an anxious person in general. <laughs> so I like my anxiety was just like through the roof um, that whole day. Like, you know, I'm trying to compartmentalize, like, okay, like I have to be present with my clients. I have to be here. But like in my head, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like thinking about this, like in the background. So the next day, um, and I had been like, pause for a second. That evening when I had gone home, I had been like looking at the news, like trying to see if like anything was released. Um, Cause obviously I'm like curious and panicking and like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So then the next day I go to work and I walk in and still very anxious and like, you know, this is like on my mind and I don't, I feel like I didn't find out in the greatest way possible, but, um, the office manager who sits like at the reception, like right in front, you know, I walk in, I like go to the mailboxes, which is like right behind where she sits and she turns around and she goes, Hey, uh, it's her. We found out it's her. Um, So that's how I found out that, that a former client had to die by suicide. 
Wow. Oh I'm a little bit surprised that was how it was handled that, it, you know, especially considering it had been a client within the program, that there wasn't like a quick meeting with the team or that notification, I given it was a former client. Yeah, I don't think that that was how it was supposed to happen. Um, but that's how it happened. So, yeah. So, uh, now, I can I ask out. a question? Really quickly, yeah. I'm curious, with yeah. the structure of the program, was were you the primary clinician? Was it a team? Were you running groups with a co-facilitator? Like, what was the structure like for other clinicians within the program who had worked with, you know, the individuals you work with? Yeah, that's a great question. So I was a primary therapist. Um, so I had my own group um, and I would be the primary therapist running the group. Um, but she would interact or all clients would interact with all the other therapists there. Um mm-hmm like for her intake or for like one, one group hour, um, it's run by a different therapist. And then we have like a non-clinical group hour that's run by bachelor's level staff. So a lot of she, you know, all of our staff know all of our. Okay. That makes sense. So you have gotten now the confirmation, unfortunately that like gut wrenching news that it was the client that you were worried about you heard from the receptionist essentially very like curtly bluntly like curtly yes. what yeah. happened next because you were walking into work so you had to work for the whole day it sounds like what was going through your mind how were you feeling how did the day go well i immediately ran to my office and closed my door and cried a lot mm-hmm. um like ugly cried <laughs> like big sobbing tears cried Yeah. And it's kind of a blur because I was just, I just feel like I was so emotional. Um, obviously it was horrible news to find out. Um, and I just felt in that moment, incredible guilt, like, Mm. you know, like I went back and I'm like running through all of the treatment in my head, like all of the times, like, you know, it's a daily program. So we see her every day. So, you know, could I have done something different? you know, did I know she was lying? Was she lying? You know, what could I have, could I have picked up on something that could I try harder to keep her in program? I mean, like all of these things are just like running through my head, um, immediately, you know, um, just this like intense guilt. Um, and then I'm thinking about her mom, um, you know, who was a single parent and just all of these, all of the things. <laughs> um, so you went back and, and started to second guess your work, huh? Absolutely. Yes. And by yourself behind closed doors while ugly crying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> immediately. You know, like immediately. Oh, that was Mary. Just yeah. hearing this story makes me want to give you a hug. Yes, but, I needed a hug in that moment for sure. How long did you stay behind your closed doors? Did you? Oh, what gosh. happened next? Uh, I have no idea how long I stayed in my office by myself. Um, I feel like time was not like, I yeah. just have no concept of time in that moment. Um, I did go to a coworker of mine who is also a friend of mine, um, who I knew to have had a similar experience with a client of hers several years prior. So I felt really lucky. I mean, not that that's a lucky thing to happen, but just lucky for myself to have had that support, um, in, in, you know, a coworker who you know, kind of gets what I was going through. Yeah. And what I was feeling in those moments. That's amazing that you had that coworker available to you. And I think moreover, 
is that that you knew this information about you knew this coworker's history of working with clients who have died by suicide, right? Yes. So often, I don't think many of us disclose if we have had a client die by suicide to new colleagues or or uh, you know people we have just met if we hadn't recently gone through it. So it's amazing that this colleague was open and supportive. Um, you know that knowledge was out there so that they could be supportive for you when when you needed it. Absolutely. And I was so grateful to have had that knowledge so that I knew that I could go to her for that support, yeah. um, you know, um, which is why this is important to talk about. Yeah. Right and there. tell me, what did you say to her? What did she say to you? What was, what was that support like? Yeah. So I, you know, walked in and I'm like a hot mess, like, you know, crying and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I looked at her and I was like, it's her. And she had actually found out the night before. Um, I don't know how, but she had actually already known. But she was gracious and didn't, you know, tell me in a, you know, you know, she wanted me to find out in the appropriate way. Um, But so she was just sitting there with me, just like, let me have that space. um, And just, you know, I was just sort of like, how, how do you deal with this? Like, how, how do you move forward? Like, how do you continue Mm -hmm. to do this work? you know, um, yeah. And that, that's just sort of what I was, you know, asking her and she was just so supportive and, you know, just like very validating, like, this is really hard. Um, you know, you just, you do get through it, you know, it takes time. Um, just really supportive and validating, which was exactly what I needed in that moment. And she was also very validating and like, this does not mean you're bad at your job. This does not mean that, you know, you're not a good therapist, you know? So that was also absolutely something I needed to hear in that moment. Yeah. Well, I feel like I can totally relate to what you were saying. Like, it's not only like, how can I kind of process this and get through this? It's like, how do you continue to do this work? I feel like that stands out to me so much when you said that of like, because the work we do is challenging. We know that. We love it, but it can be challenging. But then something like this is so huge and it does impact us so deeply and it's so emotional and it raises those questions. And it's like, okay, we can process, we can try to heal, we can try to come to terms with it. But then we have to keep doing this work. How do you mm-hmm. feel like you tried to work yourself through that mm-hmm. to continue? Because well, it instills that fear of like, is this going to happen again? Did it, you know, will I miss something? Whatever comes up, like, how did you move on from that thought? Yeah, uh, that took some time, I think. Um, I mean, I have a job, so obviously I continue to do my job, but yeah, <laughs> it took it took it took a while to for that thought to kind of go away, like or at least lessen, you know, like that fear of like, oh my gosh, am I doing enough? Oh my gosh, do I need to? You know, it was sort of like I almost like overcompensated and wanted to send everyone mm-hmm. to the hospital. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Um, almost to like make up for, for that or for, or for what I felt like I had missed even really in reality, you know, I, I didn't miss anything necessarily. It was just that sort of feeling of like wanting to, you know, feeling like I needed to do better. Well, this feels like a great place to pause and talk about our sponsor, Jane. Wait, Catherine, who is Jane? Oh yeah. I haven't talked about this yet, but 
I am diving back into the world of private practice, and I have a pretty awesome team behind me, and I asked one of them to find the best EHR for the price, and I couldn't believe it, but they actually came back with an answer. All of these EHRs can feel overwhelming, but one stood out from the rest. It had the most comprehensive features, and it was less expensive than its competitors who've been raising their rates. Wait, so Jane is not a person? No, Jane is a practice management software designed to help health and wellness practitioners manage their practices with features like online booking, admin scheduling, customizable notes, and integrated payments. Mm, So it sounds like Jane makes it super easy for you to manage your practice from any angle. Now I have to ask, do they offer telehealth and what if I need to meet with couples or families? Oh, yes. Jane does all of that. This means you can offer flexible sessions that suit your schedule and the needs of your clients. Wow. Well, listeners, it sounds like you should join me to learn more about Jane and their full suite of features, as I desperately need to change my EHR platform. Head on over to jane.app slash mental health. If you're ready to get started with Jane, you can use the code BADTHERAPIST for a one-month grace period on your new account. Well, let's loop back to the show. Your story is really making me reflect on our work as therapists. I guess I should only speak, I'm going to speak for myself here. I feel like I have been a therapist for over a decade now in outpatient mental health. I feel like I have tripled my experience of loss um, than I would if I was a, a non-therapist living in this world, right? Like we've, we have in our life, in a normal life, we have so many relationships come in and out of our lives, right? And when they leave our lives and we care about that relationship, it feels like a loss, whether they leave us permanently, temporarily, or by choice, you know, uh, death or otherwise, even if it's just a friendship ends, that's a loss, right? And so working with so many clients over the years, I'm sitting here thinking like, even, you know, uh, outside, in addition to death as a loss, but even just the ending of our therapeutic relationships with clients are losses in our in our lives because they were relationships to us as well. Now, to us, they are professional relationships, obviously, but that still comes with this sense of loss. So I'm sitting here thinking, yes, I have lost clients to suicide, but I've also lost a lot of clients to Um, you know, achieving their therapeutic goals or, you know, moving away or just dropping therapy. And that also comes with this sense of loss and helplessness and um, uh, sadness, right? And so even if, you know, you're listening to this and you haven't lost a client to suicide, you know, we as therapists put ourselves in in, I don't want to say harm's way, but in in the emotional, uh, you know, we are, we are predisposed to more losses in our lives from relational losses because what we do is so inherently relational and our work does come to an end with all clients. It's like that meme. It's like, I'm ready to get hurt again. <laughs> like every time I feel like, because we know eventually the goal is for services to end and that could yeah. be a good thing. But I agree completely, Catherine. Like, it, not to diminish, of course, like, you know, there's differences in like, we know, of, like ghost, a client ghosting you, successful oh, termination, death by suicide, but they still can hurt. And even clients, like I still think of like some clients occasionally or something reminds me of a client and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I wish I could just text this person and say, hey, this made me think of you and trying to manage that. It is such a big part of what we do, like that management of loss. Absolutely. 
And I, Ali, I can't, <laughs> I completely agree. I, that when you just said like, you see something that reminds you of a client that happens to me, I feel like all the time, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm like, Oh, that person would really, you know, find this funny or appreciate this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, it's kind of throughout our, our jobs. I feel like there's just so much of that, that we have to deal with. Yeah. So Mary, the reason I shared that was, you know, I was really resonating with this sense of, you didn't use the words, but this sense of helplessness, right? Did I do enough? Like, I thought I did everything I could. Uh, Did I miss something or was I truly helpless to prevent this? How did you process that? Uh, Are you still processing that? What's that like today in your work? Yeah. So, so this happened like about a year and a half ago. So I feel like it was not that long ago. So I'm, I think there's yeah. def- definitely parts that I am absolutely still processing through, um, you know, in my own work. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I think just relying on uh, my support system has been really helpful, like my personal support system and then my support system at work, like colleagues, just like getting that validation, like, you know, you are good at this, like, you know, and even from clients, like current clients that have said to me, like, thank you. Like I've, you've really helped me or this, this particular thing you did was really helpful, which doesn't happen that often, but when it does, it's really great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, you know, yeah. So I think that's really it. Just like continuing to utilize my support systems. Um, it's definitely better now than it was before, for sure. Um, it doesn't come up that often for me. That's yeah, I don't think it'll ever I don't think this this helplessness in in some of our work like, you know, do uh, we can only do so much for our clients, right? Um yeah. and so acknowledging that that limit to what we can actually control or or influence and and realizing that autonomy in our client that doesn't come up as often for me anymore, but it I don't know if I'll ever practice and not have it come up. I think that's something that's always going to come up for me. Um, here and there and continuing to work through it. I can really resonate with that, Mary. Absolutely. Catherine, I think I say that to myself every day. (laughs) We can only do what we can do. Oh, much. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm curious because I know that, you know, when when the topic of having a client die by suicide does come up, um, a lot of uh, clinicians fears revolve, you know, obviously the impact to the family and to the client and to the circle and to the clinician, obviously that's first and foremost, but you know, the, the fears of legal or ethical repercussions, a lot of time come into our heads. Did any of those flood you while you were processing this event? 100%. Absolutely. Um, I was, you know, kind of after my initial shock and, you know, grief, I was sort of like, Oh my God, like, am I going to get sued? Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, um, is this, are, is the family blaming me? Cause I had a great, a good relationship and rapport with the family as well. So I was like, Oh my gosh, do they hate me? Do they, you know, think I'm a terrible person? Like I really personalized this, which mm-hmm. in my initial response or reaction. Um, so yeah, that was a huge fear of mine. Um, luckily nothing like that happened, but you know. did, did anything come close? Because I know people not even are a little bit, not even a little bit, not even a little bit, not even a little bit. I think so. there's this assumption that, you know, any type of, you know, hospitalization, any type of risk is like opening you up to huge, huge, you know, vulnerabilities for lawsuits. And I, I like that you you can challenge that with evidence to the contrary. Yes, absolutely. It was. It was huge fear, but like in reality, 
of course, no, nothing like that even came close to happening. And what would you say, Mary, our favorite question that we always ask every guest we have, like if a clinician has, you know, lost a client to suicide or even it's just if it's that fear, like what advice Mm -hmm. would you give to someone listening to your story about how to either manage it if it has happened or to manage that fear that Mm -hmm. it might happen? Yeah, you know, I I knew you were going to ask this question and I've been thinking about it. Um, And I really think that just give yourself permission to feel your feelings. Um, because I think a lot of times as therapists, we feel like we have to be able to handle everything and we just know how to deal with it. And it's 100% okay to not know how to deal with it and to cry and to drink wine and to yell. Um, and I think for me, that was really important. Just like giving myself permission to be sad and be angry and be, you know, upset. Um, so, you know, and then, relying on your support system, use your support system, utilize supervision, utilize your supervisors, um, utilize coworkers and friends and family and your pets, you know, snuggle up with your, your dog or cat, you know, that's something I did for sure. Um, and you know, just use the people in your life. Um, cause they're the ones that can really help you get through it. Ah, better words have not been spoken on this podcast, Mary. Excellent (laughs) advice. Uh, Mary, I cannot, we cannot thank you enough for sharing your story with us Absolutely. and everyone else on the podcast today. And if, if people, listeners want to connect with you outside the podcast, where can they find you, Mary? So I don't have any like professional, like social media or anything, but I'm happy to get emails um, at my email address, which is Mary, M-A-R-Y, F-I-T-Z-P-A at Gmail. Dot com and also I'm on Instagram at Mary bottom slash fits bottom slash 30 perfect and we will link all of those excellent yes. well thank you so much Mary it's so vulnerable like to share this story and we can't tell you how much we appreciate it and hopefully you can tell yourself too like how you went to that colleague and knew that the colleague dealt with this like now thousands of clinicians have listened to this story and have you to know that they're not alone that they have support if they need it and so you are continuing to help our field like we are just so grateful for you sharing this story of such yes, pleasure today you. yes thank you so much for having me I really enjoyed it and that was my goal I wanted to make sure people knew that they were not alone so thank you so much thank you And that's it. The OG bad therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song along with many others on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast or wanting to level up the one you already have, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at air effect And don't forget, we're all bad therapists. <laughs>